What's going on, everybody? We got a special video today. I, I'm going to be talking about the rise and fall of one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, CM Punk. One of the most controversial wrestlers. But I'm not going to be doing this on my own. I have a special guest. You may or may not be familiar with him. Chances are you, you probably are. He goes by The Elitist on YouTube. Uh, what's going on, my friend? Yo, Kevin, what's going on? It's good to finally be here. I've been avoiding not avoiding but i haven't been on this channel for a long time and it's good to finally be here i think this series elite hate pretty good name so hopefully you guys enjoy it hopefully it catches on leave a like on the video comment your thoughts on punk all that kind of stuff it's gonna be good to talk about punk today because such an interesting wrestler so yeah well, without further ado i'll throw it over to you i think we'll just get this started already right off the top i'll ask you kevin what is your honest thoughts and opinions on cm punk today Today, in 2020, I really, I don't have much of an opinion on him. I, I look at I look at him, like, when I'm watching old stuff on the WWE Network, and I see CM Punk, I'm just like, oh, CM Punk, it's nice. It's nice to see, you know, I, I look at him just like I look at RVD or Chris Jericho or some of these other guys that are no longer in WWE. It's just, it's nice to see them. I'm not really, like, I don't really feel one way or the other about the guy at, at this point. Yeah, yeah, I get you, I get you, I get you. I think with, with Punk, I mean, for those of you who don't know the guy basically kind of got me into wrestling so especially back in the day like 2011 12 13 14 he was like my favorite but nowadays not that i nothing the guy i'm similar to you in the regard that like i see him i'm like oh yeah you know he did some great stuff in the past but nowadays it's like okay that's phil brooks from chicago that's the guy who does the interviews and sounds a little bit bitter about wb still like i don't really feel the same sense of like oh my god it's sam punk as many people do so yeah, I mean, if you want to ask the next question, Kevin, feel free. So, yeah, why why do you think CM Punk is so talked about today, and he's still relevant even though he hasn't wrestled in seven years? I, I want to throw something in part before you answer that. I just want to throw something in. I I think his UFC career is a big part of that. If I had like if I had to say in like three or four words, interesting. Um, okay, okay, I see what you mean. I think for me personally. I think it's the fact that Punk, so he was really at his apex from like post pipe bombs, so like 2011 through like January 2014, then when he left. So he was at his like apex for like two and a half years. And really, we never saw Punk go out sad, so to speak. Like we never saw him, you know, booked poorly. His career never really went down the way many wrestlers have. Okay, so in that regard, we never saw Punk go out that way. So we saw Punk with something still to give. And in that regard, I think many fans still like hold on to that. So, I mean, that's kind of what I think about it. Also, I think it's the fact that, once again, with that, it didn't give people enough time to get burned out and sick of the guy. Because, I mean, you guys watching this video, Kevin, I'm sure you'd agree, many times WWE overuse and push a wrestler or something down your throat to the point where you just want off your screen forever. So that never happened with Punk. And I think the fact that he was the best in the world, so to speak, that only adds to that. So... If you want to add in anything else here, feel free, Kevin. Yeah, I think it's uh, he's a lot like Steve Austin and The Rock in a sense, where those guys, they reached such surmountable heights and then they had really short careers when you look at it. When you boil it down, The Rock and Austin, their careers were about four years each as top guys. And Punks was, like you said, two and a half, three years if you want to stretch it. And it just it is what it is. It left people clamoring. Um, I, I think now the further we get, the further we get removed from his time in the spotlight... I think he's going to be talked about less and less as like as your generation gets older the people that kind of 
that that were that were um were hooked on him and gotten into wrestling because of him. I think as those people get older, I think he'll just he'll find his place in wrestling as just a legend, just you know one of the old heads. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that's it's probably where he should be because I think the fact that now we're pretty much seven years removed from Punk exiting the company, I think it's about time that people kind of put a, a stop to you know demanding that he comes back and all that kind of stuff and we'll talk about that later but nonetheless let's get into the rise of cm punk so yeah i'll throw it over to you kevin you know talk about punk the early days you know all that kind of stuff so throw it over to you yeah yeah the early days so i i as you know i grew up in the ruthless aggression era and punk kind of came into wwe on the tail end of that and he was a guy that i really hadn't seen before from like like the mold you know he he looks like what he was cm punk he looked like a punk rocker it was different and I, I just remember being captivated by him at first when he first showed up in ecw and then i was like ah you know ah, he's okay he, he did he did do some stuff with jeff hardy that was pretty cool some stuff with the undertaker in 2009 but i, I just thought of him as like an upper mid card at best like a lot of people remember the straight edge society gimmick that it was like the best thing going in wwe and yeah it was pretty cool but I think it just gets remembered fondly because of how terrible of a year 2010 was. It was like the one sole standout in a really bad year in WWE. I'm not trying to be harsh, but if you if the Straight Edge Society happened in a different era, like if it happened today, would you be looking at the Straight Edge Society as something that, that was great? I, I don't know. What, what do you think about that, specifically, the Straight Edge Society? Did, I know you were kind of got into him as Summer of Punk. I mean, nowadays hypothetically speaking let's say they, they brought the straight edge society in nowadays people would probably say it's a dark order ripoff i mean yeah realistically but no i think the actual gimmick itself punk serena gallows like those guys i think they, they did it really well and it worked but as you say it was 2010 like 2010 the year of sheamus and the muppets i mean michael cole is the the, the reading the gm emails like as a year it was just poor so I think in context of 2010, it was good, but realistically, it wasn't like the greatest thing we've ever seen. So I think that's my opinion on the Straight Edge Society. Uh, and really, I'll, I'll add in a quick two cents about him being like an indie guy and whatnot. I think Punk, he really did kind of like open the door for these type of guys, your Daniel Bryans, Seth Rollins, even the AJ Styles types of the 2010s, because without Punk really breaking the mold, as you talked about, I don't think many of these guys would have either been given the opportunity to begin with or be given as much an opportunity as they were because punk really came into the company as you said punk rocker got his you know all the tattoos doesn't really look like a typical wrestler he doesn't look like the ultimate warrior hulk hogan the rock etc so i think punk really did break the mold and i'll throw this over to you just quickly do you think cm punk is the greatest like indie guy in WWE history uh that's tough it depends what you classify as an indie guy. It just, I guess, it depends because you could say, you could say Seth Rollins yeah, I, I is think, an indie I'll, guy. Go ahead. Yeah, I think I'm sorry to cut you off. I think with that, I'll talk. I'll say like 21st century because yes, you can count Eddie, you know, Benoit, those type of guys as indie guys, even Jericho. But I think just for the sake of the argument, 21st century guys like Sam Punk, Brian, Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, those types. Would you say Punk? Was the best of them? Just let's compare them real quick. For me, I'm biased. I'm a big Daniel Bryan guy. So I, I would say for my personal favorite, Daniel Bryan. Uh, but I, I think it comes down to those two guys. 
between D- Brian and Punk. And, and I mean, I guess you have to throw AJ Styles in there, but I wouldn't really classify him as a quote-unquote indie guy because he spent a lot of time in a legitimate company in Impact. So I wouldn't classify him as an indie guy. When I think indie guy, I think of like of Punk and Brian where they wrestled in gyms and in front of like 100 people. There, there was times there where AJ was doing big numbers in TNA. So, But for me, it just it comes down to those two guys, Punk and Brian. They, those guys really opened doors for guys like AJ, guys like Rollins to succeed. And I don't think we would see people like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn being top guys in WWE today without Punk and Brian. So the, those two, they're like Brett and Sean. They're like they're like Hogan and Macho Man. They're they're revolutionary. They're one A one B in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I good got call, good call. Go ahead. Oh yeah, go. So I have a question for you, and this is really like when you're talking about the rise of CM Punk, you can't talk about anything other than the pipe bomb. That that was legitimately the quickest rise that I think we've ever seen a guy go from irrelevancy to a top guy. Just it was similar to the Austin three sixteen promo, but it was like on steroids. The the pipe bomb, just that's it. That when you talk about the rise of CM Punk, you have to talk about the pipe bomb. So, I'll ask you: Was the pipe bomb good or bad for wrestling? Ah, uh, what a question this is. Um, look, I did a video covering this, but I wanted to really throw this in here for the sake of the argument about CM Punk, because as you say, when you think CM Punk, the pipe bomb is basically the thing you associate with the guy CM Punk sitting on the stage having a five to eight minute vent session breaking the fourth wall talking about behind the scenes politics you know Cena being the top guy when he's the best in the world and all this kind of stuff I think Punk's pipe bomb it was really good for wrestling actually no it was great for wrestling in the short term it brought back so many disenfranchised fans because as we talked about 2010 beginning of 2011 Miz's champion, all that kind of stuff. It was a terrible time period. So Punk's pipe bomb was good for wrestling, especially in like the year following it, I'd say. And then it was good for Punk as well as like a wrestler and a character. But then like in the long term, really when all the the spark and the buzz of the pipe bomb kind of wore off and the fans of the pipe bomb brought back saw that okay, this is WWE. They've done they're moving to three hour roars. This just this isn't it. So those people who Punk brought back turned off and kind of turned away and then what that's really left is people who were there to begin with wrestling fans have been around forever really who love to either voice their disapproval of the company voice their disapproval of the product and really in that regard as i said in my video i made it however long ago punk's pipe bomb really made those people gave them a sense of you know satisfaction and it gave them a sense of empowerment that okay here's this guy venting about all his gripes about wwe live on stage in front of the world i'm going to do that on my podcast my twitter i'm going to complain if wwe pushes roman reigns i'm going to complain about roman reigns if wwe pushes samoa joe but they're not pushing aj styles i'm going to complain about that it's these type of things which punk's pipe bomb really did you know drive home a bit in my opinion so i mean that's my little tirade I'll throw that over to you, Kevin, because I've talked about this enough. Do you think the pipe bomb was good or bad? Do you agree with what I have to say? All this kind of stuff. So throw it over to you. I think overall, as a whole, the pipe bomb was probably bad for wrestling, I, I think. Just because the pipe bomb, like you said, it it gave these people um, hope. And then WWE, not only did, did WWE allow the pipe bomb to happen, for one, they also went ahead and they gave fans what they wanted when they were crying about Daniel Bryan being the top guy. 
And as you know, I'm the biggest Daniel Bryan fan in the world, but I don't agree with the way that the whole story went down. I mean, the guy won the championship, what, twice and had it taken away oh, from the him? Story, the story made no sense. It it really did make no sense, but he gone, gone. Yeah, it made no sense. We, we could spend a whole podcast. I think we'll have to talk about this in long form. But oh, Episode two. Let's go. There nah. you go. So Punk, you know, Punk, he gave these people this platform and it's just, it, it's really done a, it's done a number on wrestling because at the end of the day, the pipe bomb was a promo. So the good of the pipe bomb outside of like the, the three months that followed it, it was good for the three months that it, that followed on WWE TV, CM Punk sold a lot of merch, blah, 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 made him a superstar. But then it's like, okay, we're moving on to the next, but it, it created something forever that WWE can't take back now with, with giving fans empowerment. And it, it did get me into wrestling, so it was good in that sense. It got me back into wrestling, I should say, because I just wasn't watching from, like, 2009, 2010, uh, 2010, early 2011. I just wasn't watching. So I guess in that sense, it's good. But like you said, I ended up tuning out anyway, like a year like a year later, because the product was just, why would I even watch a three-hour Raw when I could just watch CM Punk's highlights on YouTube or Twitter or something? There's no need to sit through a whole show when all I care about is CM Punk. <clears throat> Yeah, I think also one thing I'll, I'll kind of throw this in here. In my opinion, and I would say objectively speaking, but I think what Punk's Pipe Bomb did, as far as making work shoot promos cool and work shoot promos relevant, I think that's bad for wrestling as well. Because nowadays, well, ever since the Pipe Bomb, the real like kind of kayfabe promos, I mean, they still work. Like, you know, Tribal Chief Roman Reigns, for an example, kayfabe promos and storylines do work. But you find that nowadays what gets over like best and what gets over at all is this break in the fourth wall. I'm going to go off script. I'm going to cut a work shoot promo, which in that regard, that, that's bad for wrestling. That's not what wrestling really should be. Wrestling at its best is you know good kayfabe storylines and all that kind of stuff. So Punk's Pipe Bomb, in my opinion at least, made the work shoot promos cool. Like, you know, the, the Miz one on Daniel Bryan on Talking Smack, the one Mick Foley did on Raw in, like, 2017. Like, all these kind of work shoot promos. I'll throw it over you with this one. Do you think work shoot promos are good for wrestling or not? Like, what's your opinion? No, I, I don't think they're good for wrestling either. I, I don't I, I don't want to be – I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy here, but when I, when I turn on AEW, I'm going to say something bad about AEW. We're going to get a bunch of thumbs downs on this video. Damn it, Kevin. Damn it. No. You can't say anything bad about AEW. AEW is perfect. What are you doing? <laughs> F. Like, when, when I turn on AEW and I see Rusev or Miro come out and, and he's, like, talking about in, indirectly his time in WWE, I'm just like, ah, yawn. On to the next one. Like, we saw Jericho do it. Then we saw John Moxley do it. Then we saw hit this guy and this girl and, and whoever. And then Zelina Vega is going to do it when AEW signs her, when her 90 day is up. She's going to come out and be like, oh, I, I can use Twitch now in AEW. <laughs> it's not cool. It's not cool. Okay, you cut a work shoot promo. It's just not cool, bro. It, uh, that, that's just that, that's my take on it. There, there is some good to it. It does add some flavor. It does. It, it can, at times, create compelling uh, TV. I, I think that's what makes the Tribal Chief, Roman Reigns, so interesting. If you say it's kayfabe. But it does have some work shoot elements to it because he and Jay Uso are actually related. So when he's like, uh, when he's like Jay, you're not gonna eat. To, you're not gonna eat tonight if you don't listen to me. It is that is a little bit of a work shoot element to it that I think makes some storylines work when it's done properly. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think yeah. So that's the pipe bomb. I think we covered that in fairly good depth. 
Now we'll move on to just the summer of punk in general. The summer of punk in 2011. Obviously, he went on Money in the Bank. He won the title. Had the match at Cena. Del Rio cashed in. Okay, can we talk about that Money in the oh. Bank match first before we move on? Yeah, feel free. Feel free. Yeah. What What do you think about that match? I know that was like the first WWE match in like I don't know 20 years. I think it was since Austin and Bret at WrestleMania 13. I think that was the first WWE match in whatever it was 15 years to get the five-star rating, the infamous five-star rating from Dave Meltzer. What, what do you think about that match? Would you say that, that that match lives up to the hype? Have you seen it since? Have you ever gone back and watched it? Anything like that? Yeah, yeah. personally, I don't know how many times I've seen that match. It's, it's definitely like probably a half dozen, to be honest. I think the thing with that match, it gets built up and really talked about as like you know one of the greatest WWE matches ever. And I think... In, in the sense of, like, the, the location, because it was in Chicago, Punk's hometown, I think all the atmosphere around it made the match even better and really added to it. I think, like, solely the match went, what, 30, 33 minutes or something? Like, I think on its own, it was, like, a, re- like a really, really good match. But I think just really the, the grandeur of it really made it so that it got, got the five stars. I mean, that's my opinion. Personally, I love the match. I think it's really good. It, it's a match that if you're stuck on a desert island with only three matches, would you take that match? Personally, I wouldn't. I don't think it's like that kind of god tier. It's incredible, but I don't rate it like that that highly. That's just my personal opinion. I mean, what do you think? Because the match gets a lot of hype, a lot of praise. Do you think it's that great? Yeah, I think so. I, I think I think that's that, that's the two things that Punk is his legacy that that rides on his legacy is the pipe bomb and that feud with Cena and that match at Money in the Bank. Those are the, those are his two single handedly two biggest contributions to the wrestling industry. Out of everything that he's done, and it right, I think it earns its place in, in wrestling history. Um, it's not really ahead of its time or anything. It's not a revolutionary match like how Austin and Brett would be, but it is one of those matches that you can watch and you can say, "Wow, this is just like there's we never see anything like it with the atmosphere of the crowd, like you touched on." But uh, we tell you, we, we, let's move on to the Summer of Punk. The the Summer of yeah, Punk. So can, can yeah, you I'll def- go, I'll go. De- go ahead and define what the Summer of Punk is for people who may not know. Okay, basically, so in Ring of Honor, Punk had a, a Summer of Punk back the year he was going to leave and go to WWE. So that was like the first Summer of Punk. But then, as we mentioned, Punk cut the Pipe Bomb promo in 2011, and the Summer of Punk became a thing all over again. Punk did that promo, the Money in the Bank match that we talked about. Then he had a SummerSlam match with Cena, champion, not title for title. And then Del Rio cashes in because they were doing a mexico tour a month later and vince wanted to sell tickets and then kevin nash comes back with one (laughs) knee and then triple h is getting involved triple h beats punk when punk had all his momentum awesome truth were running around ending pay-per-view main events getting arrested we had them beating triple h and punk and then the rock came back that was the summer of punk basically what i'm trying to say the summer of punk was anything but punk in the end. And really, that's what I wanted to talk about here. I wanted to ask, I mean, I'll start with asking you, Kevin. Do you think the Summer of Punk was done at all well? And if so, I mean, why? Like, that's where I'll start, start you off. There were some good tidbits to the to the Summer of Punk. There was the promo, that, that shoot promo, that work shoot promo he cut on Vince in the contract signing, the work shoot promo he cut on Kevin Nash, the work shoot promo he cut on Triple H. Those were pretty good. It wasn't a fairy tale textbook summer of punk. It wasn't punk made of any pay per views, having five star match after five star match that 
a lot of people had hoped it would be. But the way when you lay it out and you you put it like bluntly, it was not very good. Just to say that when you have awesome truth involved and Kevin Nash is there for no reason, Triple H like why would Triple H beat why would why would Vince have Triple H beat Punk? It just doesn't make sense. I guess from I guess if you're looking at it from a casual fan standpoint, if if Triple H and CM Punk actually had a fight, I mean yeah, Triple H would would kill him. So I guess that it makes sense from that standpoint. But why even put that match together if you know that that if you don't view CM Punk on the level of Triple H? Because when you put him in there with a legend like that, you're you're telling fans, you're programming everybody to think, okay, Punk is not that good. That's what you want everyone to think. You don't you don't you don't want him to look at at, at Punk the same way you look at Cena. Edge, Orton, all these guys that had, you know, legendary great careers and whatnot. Well, what do you yeah, think? Sure. Would you say that the Summer of Punk was uh, was pretty bad? I, I'm sure, I'm sure you, you you did the way you described it. You I mean, did. well, to be, yeah, I, I did lay it out fairly bluntly. I think, like, as as a whole, as you mentioned, Punk, the promo segments he cut during the Summer of Punk, that's like what I remember it for, and that's like the you know what I think about it as. So I try to look at the positives when it comes to the Summer of Punk. I think, yeah, pipe bomb. The Vince McMahon contract signing, some of these other segments where he was in the ring with Kevin Nash and Triple H and he just roasted them both, like that kind of stuff. I think I look back on really fondly because those were like amazing, like funny, entertaining pro wrestling segments. I, I was I was sports entertained, so to speak. But yeah, those were great segments. The actual booking of it though, just a mess. I mean, I laid it out before. Just Del Rio, awesome truth, Kevin Nash, Triple H beating him when he had all his momentum, all that kind of stuff. Not the best, but nonetheless, we'll move on from the bad booking. I think we'll go on to the 434-day reign, unless you want to add anything in just quickly. Um, no, I got nothing else. I, I think the 434-day reign, that's that's pretty good. So let, let's talk about that. That's another thing, too, that you have to talk about. This, was, this isn't even the rise of CM Punk. This is now we're at the point where CM Punk is a top guy, and he just regains the title in like a triple threat match or something at Survivor Series. I think from Del Rio, he regains it. And he holds the title for just unbelievable amount of, amount of time. The longest reign that we've seen in however long it was. Paul Heyman will not let us forget. So what, what are your thoughts on this uh, this 434-day reign? Yeah, I think the 434-day reign is a really interesting one because like on the one hand, longest title reign in the modern era, I think. Uh, maybe Brock's universal title reign was longer because WWE do that. They you know one-up Punk's reign out of spite, but... I think the 434-day reign, as is, like, on the whole, how I'd review it, I'd say it was good on the whole. I think there was definitely enough good there to, to make me say it was good. But I think, was it some great legendary reign? Not really. I think the first half of the reign, when Punk was, like, a baby face, had the, the Jericho feud, where Jericho was making fun of, you know, Punk's family and alcohol and whatnot. I think that, was, that stuff was good. And then... Punk was forced to turn heel by Vince, and then the rain kind of it, it kind of fell to tatters in my opinion. So that's my general thoughts. What are your general thoughts on Punk's rain? I, I think I don't want to say the word overrated because it's not it's, it's an impressive feat. Say it, I, Kevin. Say the word. Say it. <laughs> I don't want to say it's overrated because it, it's not. But I, I think it's remembered better than it was. A lot of people remember it as this great reign just because of the simple fact that it was an impressive feat for somebody in the modern era where the championship basically became a prop. And, you know, Randy Orton has got like 150 title reigns now and Edge is like a 12, 13-time champion where the title just gets thrown around a lot. 
where it stayed on somebody for over two years or over a year. I'm sorry. I think that in and of itself is what's so impressive about it. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, I think, as you say, I mean, he had one reign, 434 days. You compare that to Randy Orton, who he's probably had maybe 10 reigns add up to 434 days. So from the perspective of just the reign itself and the sheer number of days, I think it's impressive by default. I think what I'll do, well, personally what I do with the, the reign, I mean, you, you call it or kind of overrated. Personally, I think the reign itself, the first half of it, was like really good and the second half was not so how that balances itself out i don't know that that that's up to you that's a subjective thing but in reality i think first half really good second half not so much would you agree with that i i would i would agree for sure i i think once like you said once he turned heel on the rock that was that was kind of it there was nothing because you already know that people were going to be pissed off they're going to start booing the rock and whatnot you just there was just no need for it it just it, it all felt so unnecessary, you know. You 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 haven't you haven't punk turned heel on a guy that we already know is gonna wrestle Cena at WrestleMania. So we know this heel turn isn't gonna lead to anything. They're just doing it because they need Crash TV. They gotta have something for people to talk about the next day. I don't know. The but he was good when he was a babyface. As a heel, it got kind of redundant. It was just him confronting legend after legend, from what I remember. There was it was okay. You know, it was it was okay at the second half, but yeah, like you said, overall it was pretty good. I, I wouldn't say it was great, like legendary, I, but I, I just don't remember it the way some people choose to remember it. Like it was the best, like it was the best period of wrestling in the last like twenty years, and it just there was better stuff. I, I think. Yeah, I think also when you look back at twenty twelve, I don't know what you exactly and what you guys watching the video, what you think about when you think twenty twelve, but. His 434-day reign isn't the first thing I think of. It's kind of just like one of like the great things in the year, and it was one thing that was there, but it wasn't like the thing. Like WWE never treated the 434-day punk reign as like the thing in the company. Because I remember, for an example, Over the Limit 2012, the main event of the show was John Cena versus John Laryngitis in a random street fight or something, and then Big Show came out crying and he punched Cena. That, that was the main event of the pay-per-view instead of Punk versus Brian for the title. It's stuff like that which makes you think, okay, WWE didn't see Punk on the same tier as Cena. They never really did. Punk was always, oh, yeah, he's great talent, but he's not Cena. So in that regard, I think I'll just ask you quickly, do you think you know Punk not main eventing pay-per-views in 2012 as champion you know, impacts how the Reigns look back upon? Does that do anything what do you think what i just said that kind of stuff i think when you have john laurinaitis in the main event over your wwe champion that tells you everything you need to say i don't even really need to say anything else there's nothing i can add that's just that's an embarrassment to the championship that's an embarrassment to cm punk and daniel bryan that's it's just it's it's an uh, embarrassment is what i could say in one word did he main event any pay-per-views from that time frame um... After he turned heel, he main evented, but all those main events. That's, well, it was like with Ryback, right? When the Shield was like attacking Ryback and Brad Maddox and all that yeah, garbage. Cause, yeah, because before he before he turned heel, so there was the over the limit thing, which I just mentioned. There was no way out where it was like what Cena versus Big Show in a cage or something. Yeah, and the loser or something. Laryngitis gets fired. They did that, and Punk versus Kane versus Daniel Bryan was below that and they were fighting over aj lee instead of the title so that was you know, his face run the, the heel run was just 
matches against Cena, Knight of Champions, which ended in like a, a screwy finish, and then Ryback with the Brad Maddox nut shot, and then the Shield saved him for a couple of matches, and then he lost the Rock. So that was him as a heel. Just in general, I think the Reign was good, but not great. So unless you want to say anything else, then we're ready to move on from the 434-day Reign. Yeah, I've got I've got just one thing that I want to add before before we get off this. Um, yep. So you look at 2011, 2012, 2013, and CM Punk is not the he's not the highlight of either of those years, in my opinion. When you look at 2011, the first thing I think of is The Rock returning, and then when I look at 2012, I think of Cena and Rock once in a lifetime, and when I look at 2013, I think of the rise of Daniel Bryan. What What, what do you think? Like that for um, me that that says that I'm sorry for me that says that that Punk just he for whatever reason he just never last he just he was never like the top guy and it's not all his fault but what, what do you think um yeah it's, it's a good point that uh i think when i look back at 2011 i think the pipe bomb just personally speaking um i think 2012 as i mentioned before and as you kind of talk about there i think rock cena once in a lifetime end of an era inside hell in a yeah. cell and then i think brock lesnar returning mm-hmm. and that's, that's what i think i think 2012 and then 2013 Personally speaking, I think back of all the matches Punk had versus part-timers, which I guess kind of leads us into Punk's 2013, and then we'll go into the fall of Punk very shortly. I think Punk in 2013, and I think 2013 in general, I think Punk having matches versus part-timers, losing to them, and then Punk getting frustrated. That was essentially Punk's 2013. Had the match against The Rock at the Rumble, he dropped the title. Had the match at WrestleMania versus Undertaker, which should have main-evented, but it didn't. And then the match against Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam, best versus the beast. When I think of 2013, personally speaking, I think of that. And yeah, you think of the rise of Daniel Bryan. I don't think 2013 was that great a year. And I think Punk well and truly could have closed WrestleMania 29. But nonetheless, I'll throw it over to you with this one. Should Punk have made an event at WrestleMania 29? Do you think that's a fair thing to happen i i would say this is the beginning of the fall of cm punk so i don't know if you want to go into it you want to to go into that now oh just the fall of punk yeah because i i think i think that's the fall i think actually i would say when when he lost or when he when he was forced to put the rock over at the royal rumble i think that's the fall the fall of punk yeah i think that's when it started i should say that was the beginning yeah when it comes to the fall of punk i'll just just quickly i think Punk, when he was on the Art of Wrestling podcast, Cock Cabana back in like 2014, one of the things he talked about was, as you mentioned there, you know, turning heel for The Rock when Punk was selling as much merch, if not more than Cena was in 2012, when he was like a top guy. Punk really got frustrated by that. And that really started to wear, you know, wear over on him. The fact that he hadn't main evented WrestleMania yet, the fact that Cena was always the guy, Cena and Rock were always the two. He was never like treated that way which always kind of pissed him off. And as Punk said in that podcast, it was like a notch on his badge. It's like a frustration notch. Oh, you know, I owe you one. You know, Vince owing Punk one. Punk was never the guy. So that kind of wore down Punk. And I think that leads us to the fall of CM Punk because Punk, look, when it comes to his fall, I think not main eventing these pay-per-views like really pissed him off. I think that's pretty, pretty fair to say. I'll ask you now, Kevin. So we'll, we'll talk about his exit in detail like in a moment but i'll ask you a quick question do you think cm punk was right to walk out on his contract with five six months left knowing he had a wrestlemania co-main event versus triple h just waiting for him uh, but before i answer that I, i'll quickly answer your other yeah. question uh, i think oh, yeah. 
I, I think in short, just to say real quick, he, yeah, I guess he could have gone out last with against The Undertaker. But at the end of the day, when you have the one match that steals the show, when you have the one match that people look at and say, that's the match, that that was the best match at WrestleMania 29. That's the match that I remember. That's the one. He and Undertaker had the main event. Cena, sure, Cena Rock went on last, but Punk and Undertaker had the main event. Um, <clears throat> now, do I think he was right to walk out? No. No, I, I don't think he was right. I, I said that before in a video I made about him. I said that before. I don't think he's right because I look at it like this. You're in a position to wrestle Triple H. You're in a position to make a lot of money. There's a there's a million wrestlers that would, they'd give their whole life to have a main event match with Triple H. So from that merit, I, I don't think it's right. Um, I, I think, I, I applaud guys like The Miz, even though I'm not a big fan of him. Guys like The Miz, John Moxley, they put their head down and they do what they're told. And even though they don't like it, they see through to their commitments, you know. And I think it's just wrong to, to, to walk away from your commitment. You signed a contract. You chose to be there. He talked about on Rene Paquette's podcast that he wanted to leave in whatever it was, 2010, 2011, to go do MMA. Well, you should have done it then. If you didn't want to be in WWE, you should have done it. You should have went to do MMA then. And maybe it would have turned out better if he had been younger and had more training and was able to do amateur fights. Maybe his MMA career would have worked out. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's fair enough. I think, yeah, his legacy probably would have taken a hit if he did that, but at the same time, could have gone better. We don't know. So, yeah, I mean, that's that. I think Punk's exit, I mean, we talked about 2013 a little bit, you know, his matches against part-timers. You get to 2014, Punk walks out, not after the Rumble, has his, like, concussion test and all that kind of stuff. He walks out, walks out in his contract. You talked about it just there. In my opinion, was he right to do that? I, I think... Punk in his position, because as we mentioned, Punk was always a top guy, but never the guy from like 2011 to 2013, basically. So I think in that regard, Punk kind of loses perspective almost, because as you say, millions of wrestlers, I don't even think there are millions of wrestlers, but uh, hey, pretty much every wrestler outside of a select few would have killed to be in that position against Triple H or just in the WrestleMania co-main event. The amount of people who can't even get TV time, who sit in catering all the time, or the amount of people on the indies who die for that position. I think Punk did lose some perspective as his run as top guy went on. I think the, you know, the whole thing of closing WrestleMania became all he cared about, which it's a good goal to have. But when you orientate your whole happiness around that, I think that's just naturally going to be an L. So yeah, Punk walked out in his contracts, yeah, he technically got fired on his wedding day, technically, whether that was intentional or not, God knows. But nonetheless, I think we'll move on just quickly. I'll ask your opinion on this. I think we can both agree. What are your thoughts on CM Punk chants? Just in general, Punk chants, what do you have to say? I think they're annoying. I really do. Like, I, I yep. really, really yep. do. In, in, in mm. one word, annoying. I, I have a fond memory of a... I remember watching it live. I think I think it was a payback pay per view. Was it Stephanie? I think. Yeah, was it Steph? No, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I just remember. I don't know if it was a pay per view. I just remember Paul Heyman coming out and being like, "He's not here. He's at the Black Rose oh, yeah, game." Yeah. yeah. And I'm and I'm just like, man, this is not. This is cringe. You know, like you gotta like why like why do you buy a ticket just to go chant some guy's name? It doesn't make sense to me. But, well, remember back to the um the hijack raw like I think it was the March. It was one of the Raws before WrestleMania 30. This is when the Brian uh, 
God, the, yeah. yeah. The Brian thing was at its so apex pretty much. Barney, man. Oh, my God. And they did the whole, yeah. everyone in Chicago is going to hijack Raw. We're going to start the show. Yeah. We're going to stick it to WWE. We're going to chant CM Punk oh, all night. Jesus. And Heyman came out and roasted them. So corny, bro. Then they had all the people with the Daniel Bryan shirts. Oof. God, so... It's like it, it's kind of it's just cringe when you look back. It's like a bunch of a bunch of neckbeards stormed the ring and chanted yes. Like oh, wow, what a what a threatening moment. Oh wow. They went from a legitimately compelling storyline where Daniel Bryan turned on Bray Wyatt and had this great moment to that. It's like what, <laughs> like what? yeah, um, yeah. Wow. What what else is there to say about the? About the CM Punk chance, there's really not much else. So I, I just I'll I mean, ask I'll, the next. Qu- oh, go ahead, go ahead. If you got, something I'll add in just with with the Punk chance. I mean, some of the moments they gave us, like granted, people chanting CM Punk in the middle of, I don't know, just Randy Orton versus Sheamus. Okay, that's one thing. It's Orton versus Sheamus. Absolutely no one on the planet cares. Yeah. But when they're chanting CM Punk during either an emotional segment or when AJ Lee's trying to cut a promo in like 2015, and all there is is CM Punk chance. Like shut up, you smarks. No one cares. Just give it a rest. Like some of this stuff, like the punk chants were used out of place so many times. They ruined so many segments, almost as many as like the what chant does. So th- that's all I have to say about the punk chants. I think we we get the point. We can move on safely. If you want to talk about his UFC a little bit, feel free. I think. Yeah, let's talk about his UFC career. So I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty big MMA fan, and I just remember hearing that CM Punk signed a contract with the UFC, and I was like, oh boy, this is not going to go over well. This is not going to work. This dude is like 35, he's getting paid millions of dollars because of his name and his fame, and it's just not going to work. Like, it, it just, I, I, it was it was doomed to fail from the beginning. I don't know what what was going through the minds of the people in charge of, of the UFC. They only saw dollar signs, but at the end of the day, and then they put him in there with a killer, like Mickey Gall, just fed him to the wolves instantly the dude was like 24 years old at the time whatever however old he was just like a, a expert jujitsu ground guy they fed him to the wolves and i was like so why did they why'd they pay this guy so much yeah yeah what what what's up good job yeah i'm doing something what's up we're leaving okay we're just letting you know we're leaving all right see you later bro Man, I was on such a roll. Forgot where I was now. Yeah, so um, but I wrote I wrote your last line down there so you'd remember. CM Punk got fed to the wolves against Mickey Gall. So if you want to go from there or something. Okay, yeah, go from there. Yeah, CM Punk got fed to the wolves by Mickey Gall, or fed to the wolves in Mickey Gall. It's just like why? Okay, let me start over. Tripping over my words. All right. Oh no! Oh no! I'm right. such a roll, Kevin. I know. <laughs> God, I tell I tell my family I'm doing something and they still they don't care. It's perks of being Hispanic, I guess. Alright. So the UFC they signed CM Punk and they threw him to the freaking wolves. They they fed him to Mickey Gall. 
And I didn't think he would get another fight after that. It was just, it was a mockery. They, it, he made a mockery of the sport. Every Mickey Gall was like, "Dude, you're coming from a fake, like from a fake sport. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you. I'm literally gonna hurt you. I don't like you." It, it was, it was bad. I just remember the slander, the MMA pro wrestling slander. It was not a good look for pro wrestling. At, at the end of the day, and it really, it it definitely did tarnish his le- his legacy in the mainstream. Obviously, the, you know, the CM Punk diehards, the the Smarks, they're gonna love him no matter what he does. He could tell you a million times that he's not going to come back to wrestling and they'll still love him. They'll still want to see him back. It doesn't matter. But I think in the mainstream, it really did tarnish his legacy. Like, if CM Punk were to return today, a lot of people would, like, like what you saw with Jericho getting roasted by NBA fans. Like, if Casual saw CM Punk, they'd be like, yo, isn't that the guy that got destroyed in the UFC? Not once, but twice. Like, they'd just be laughing at the guy. And it it would be really funny. I, I, I definitely think it hurt his legacy. And I, and I think he's aware of that as well. What, what, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think that, yeah, that's all fair enough. Personally, when I think Punk in the UFC, it just doesn't go together. Okay, Punk's an indie pro wrestler whose his trade was pro wrestling. UFC, mixed martial arts, like legit shoot fighting, all that kind of stuff. That's something that really, when it comes to pro wrestlers doing UFC, that kind of stuff really is reserved for Brock, Dave Batista, those types, because those guys look like they could legitimately kill you. So in that regard, Punk going UFC never really was going to work. I think most people could tell that. Punk, uh, fair play to him. He tried it. I mean, if that was his ambition for many years, fair play. But it, it turned out miserably. It really did. The two fights, especially the second one, the second one was just terrible to watch. The first one just got beat up, as you said. I think just in general... They weren't good. It didn't do wonders for pro wrestling. Like when I think, like you talked about there, mainstream, casual, non-wrestling fans thinking about WWE, I think when it comes to wrestlers in UFC, when Brock Lesnar fought like Mark Hunt, for example, in 2016, I believe it was, yeah. when he does that and Brock beats him, like that does good for pro wrestling. So it's like, oh, Brock's they, a pro they wrestler. They positive for steroids. <laughs> Fair enough. Yep. Good point. But now then, then Punk does his two fights and it goes terribly and people like joe rogan go on their podcast and call punk untalented and just a train wreck all around so i think that's all we have to say about punk in the ufc just to sum it up in a couple of words just a train wreck so let me throw one thing in there let me talk about yep. the, the the mike was it mike jackson Let's see if i got the name correct yeah, yeah mike yep. jackson the yep. second fight that fight overall the dude got fired from the ufc if i'm not mistaken if i have if i have my if my memory serves me right that dude went in there and he could have ended the fight in a minute and a half. And he just let he just wanted to beat up Punk and like tell this guy, look, you don't belong here. It, it was just it was just embarrassing, bro. And like it was so it, terrible. It was so bad. Yeah, it's just it's just tough. And like you talked about Brock and you talked about Lash, uh, Bobby Lashley, Batista, those guys, Alberto Del Rio. There's been oh, a ton Del- of move on, move on, move on. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that guy. I can't mention his name. Uh, Suzuki from yeah, Japan. You- There's a ton of guys. That dude Suzuki, I don't know if you know about him, but he went. He beat one of the greatest legends. I don't remember who it is, but he beat one of the greatest MMA legends in a fight. That dude is no joke. There's just there's guys like that, and then there's CM Punk that in yeah. in, in MMA, and it's just um it's uh, it's unfortunate, honestly. But yeah, well, I, think, actually, I think we buried. I'll ask a quick Go question ahead. with that. Do you, do you think the fact that Punk how did not that he had like delusions of grandeur or, or like an ego? But coming out of pro wrestling, 
where he's, you know, the top guy for so long and he feels like he can do anything and he's like the top of that business. Do you think Punk's kind of ego led to the UFC and the UFC was really a just reality check for him just overall? You think that's fair to say? I think so. I think so. I, I what he the way he the way he described it though, he didn't want his MMA career to go that way. He wanted to go. He wanted to leave in 2010 or whatever he said on. on okay, right. I had to cut you off. But who who would want their career to go the way Punk's did? I mean, realistically speaking. No, that's like, fair. No, that, no, yeah. that's fair. That, that's not what I meant. But yeah. he didn't want to like yeah. he didn't want to be handed a bunch of money. He said he took it in a in a short. He said he wanted to go the amateur route and have, you know, and learn and, and perfect his craft to get beat up a bunch of times. But he said that Dana White took really good care of him, and he was kind of sensitive from the way Vince fired him on his wedding day, whatever. And they just overwhelmed him with money, and he was like, "Well, I can't really turn this down." And he took everything that came with it. He took he took the beating like a man, though. He went out there and he said he he was crying. I don't know if you remember, and he said, "I lived my dream. I did it. People are gonna make fun of me forever. I'm a meme, but I did it, and not everybody can say they did it." So, at the end of the day, you gotta give some hats off to him, but it still it was just more negative than good. Yeah, I think I, yeah, that's fair to say. Now, I think we kind of covered this already, but we'll just briefly go over this just to kind of conclude the whole rise and fall segment of this podcast. In your opinion, what is CM Punk's legacy and what's his impact on you as a wrestling fan? So throw that over to you. His impact on me, like I said, he got me back into wrestling. That's like the biggest thing. That's one of the biggest things I owe to him. I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast or my YouTube channel without CM Punk. I would have been done with wrestling a long time ago. Um. His legacy overall, he was going to be remembered for as one of the best promo guys. I think that's going to be his biggest contribution to the wrestling business will be the pipe bomb and then his overall mic work. People always compare him to The Rock, Jericho, guys like that. And uh, that's pretty much it. He'll be he'll be remembered as a guy that was a pretty good wrestler, great on the mic, one of the best to ever do it. What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, we have a similar kind of not story in that regard, but Punk... I first got into wrestling watching the WWE experience of Matt Stryker, a random night in September 2011. I see the CM Punk, um, who sent the text, the whole thing with Kevin Nash. I saw that. I was hooked from then on. So I owe my fandom to Punk in many aspects. But really, when it comes to his legacy, I think Punk will be remembered as the guy who broke the fourth wall, the guy who made, you know, almost complain culture, that kind of thing on a mainstream pro wrestling stage relevant and cool i think he'll be remembered for that i think as a wrestler his promos as you mentioned he'll be remembered for that most obviously the pipe bomb the contract signings roasting triple h over and over all this kind of stuff so a great promo guy broke the fourth wall terrible ufc career i think these are the kind of like the main things people remember when they think of punk money in the bank 2011 is forever associated with him and fair enough that was an amazing show and match he had so that's what i think his legacy is you want to add anything else in here feel yeah, free yeah i got one quick thing i i think yep. if he if he retired on a high if he would have retired from wwe on a high note he would have been given all the credit in the world for being the guy that revolutionized indie indie wrestling in wwe but i think now that legacy is going to belong to aj styles and daniel bryan i i think the way that he left wwe kind of tarnished that i think brian i want to i want to make a quick point here one thing that i was kind of thinking about with punk i find it almost like triple h really I find it kind of ironic and hypocritical. So CM Punk, back at the pipe bomb, back in 2011 to 2014, when Punk was employed, his biggest gripe was you know, not getting a full chance, not getting an opportunity, Triple H holding him down, Triple H burying him deliberately because he's an indie guy. I find it ironic that 
Punk dealt with all that in 2011 to 2014. Yeah, this is the same Triple H who yeah, held down Punk. The Triple H is the NXT guy. Triple H pushes Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, that kind of style of wrestling, the match-first style, mm-hmm. which I've always found that kind of weird. That Triple H, when Punk did it, ugh, it's CM Punk. But when Triple H sees a bunch of these other random indie guys, when Punk's, um, Triple H sees a 37-minute death match in all Japan pro wrestling, Triple H loves it. And he loves the style and all this kind of stuff. It's just like, is this the same person, Triple H? What happened? So I'll, I just want to throw that point in there. If you want to add to that, feel free. Just... Nah, you, you summed it up. You summed it up. Uh, it's just it's ironic. Yeah, Triple H loves his 42-minute oil bath matches featuring guys from... <laughs> I'm not going to continue with that point, but now anyway, now I'm going to talk about the hypothetical. So this, when it comes to CM Punk, I think I'll, I'll ask you just first, if CM Punk, hypothetically speaking, we're not, we're not encouraging this discussion, we're just doing it for the sake of the video. Hypothetically speaking, if CM Punk returned to the WWE, who, who could he face? Who would you want to see him face? I'll throw that over to you. The two big matches that I would want to see would be Edge, because they never really interacted with each other when they were both top guys and on legend status. Edge was gone and when Punk blew up, so I would love to see that. I think that they could have some good promos, good interesting storyline. Those two are geniuses. I'd love to see what they would do. And then I would like to see him get in there with Roman Reigns uh, for obvious reasons. I mean, it's there. Roman is the most captivating wrestler in WWE right now. And he's with Paul Heyman. So the, the storyline writes itself. I would just... I'd be over the moon to see those two matches. Would, are they going to happen? Probably not. Never. I don't want to say never, but it's probably a 99% chance they won't happen. What about you? What, what matches do you want to see? Uh, it, it's a tough one. Because as you mentioned, those matches especially have appeal to them. Edge, Reigns, the storyline and the promos, they'd be phenomenal. Especially, I think... Um, Punk versus Reigns, because I imagine Paul Heyman, Punk, they kind of work together to write that, so that'd just be sick. But nonetheless, outside of that, I think Punk, as far as who he can face, like the real kind of new guys who have really come through NXT, none of them really appeal to me. Like I'm not dying to see CM Punk versus Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm not dying to see Punk versus Otis or Punk versus Keith Lee. Like none of these matches of like new type of guys really appeal well, so the, in that the regard, biggest one is adam cole yeah. like that's probably the biggest one the internet will want to see is him versus adam cole yeah and also i, I just want to throw in i don't personally speaking don't want to go t- too much of a side tension here i don't get the demand for seeing adam cole beat drew mcintyre for the title in the main event of wrestlemania 37 i don't get that myself but anyway um <laughs> when it comes to Punk in WWE and his opponents. I think the best opponents would be ones he's wrestled already. So maybe a runner back versus Cena, potentially. Punk Cena again in 2021. Maybe Punk and Brian again. Like, he's really wrestled all these type of guys before. He's wrestled Rollins. He's wrestled Reigns back in like 2013. He's kind of already wrestled these people. So, yeah, I don't really know. Anything else you want to add on this topic, Kevin? No, let, let's talk about the other company. The hypothetical. Oh. What if he went to AEW? That was at his height for All Out 2019. Everybody was like, oh, All Out's in Chicago. Punk's going to be there. Makes sense. And it didn't happen and people were crushed. So you got the possibility of Punk going to AEW. I just don't see it. It wouldn't make sense to me. Um, 
for me, there's one dream match really that I want to see, and there's really only one that entices me, and that's with Kenny Omega. I don't know how you feel about the the situation. Yeah, I think Punk and Kenny would be, I mean, match wise, it would be the best match Punk could have against like anyone nowadays. Because I think, as we know, Kenny Omega, best bout machine, seven stars in the Tokyo Dome. Kenny Omega can bring Punk to that great match that potentially nowadays he's probably not even really capable of having. So I think Punk and Omega would be great from like that perspective. I think the storyline, I can't really picture a Punk and Omega like build and storyline, but I mean, the match I can picture, the match would be fantastic. I'll throw some other names out there. I'm sure hypothetically, if Punk went to AEW, we all know his first opponent would be Cody. We pretty much all know that. That's just how AEW works. We've seen it with Sting. We've seen it with a bunch of people. Punk versus Cody. Do you think that would be at all good? Do you even want to see that? Does that even entice you at all? Like, what do you think? Do I want to see it? No, no, I don't want to see it. Do I think it will be good? Yeah, I think it'll be. Pro- I think it'll be pretty good. Cody. People think Triple H is a booking whore, man. They probably never seen Cody Rose in, in action. Um, th- th- yeah, like you said, it's gonna happen. Uh, it would be okay. The promos would be okay. Just it would just for me, it would just kind of feel like rinse, wash, repeat. New guy debuts, and he's in there with Cody. But I think they could do some interesting stuff with it. Maybe Punk would be like, "Oh, look at you, bro! When when I when I last saw you, you were on the undercard dancing around as as Stardust." They they could, they could make it kind of funny, you know. But Cody doesn't entice me. The, the internet is obsessed with the MJF thing because MJF gets compared to everybody, Miz, Punk, everybody that could cut a promo. MJF gets compared to in WWE. Uh, it, that one doesn't really entice me all that much. I don't think MJF is that good of a wrestler. I know I, I don't really quite get it with him yet. I, I just I know a lot of people love him. I don't see it a hundred percent. I'm not sold on him fully, so I don't know. They have some good promos. Yeah, MJF would talk about how Punk, he's got tattoos and he was from New York and whatever. It, it would be okay, you know. What, what yeah, other matches I think, did you want to see? Go ahead. I mean, yeah, I talked about just we'll talk about MJF. I'll, I will for a second. I think I talked about Omega and how probably the build and the segments and the promos wouldn't be the greatest, but the match would be like fantastic. I think it'd be the opposite with MJF. The promos, the build up, they probably put together some really captivating storyline, but like the match itself would probably be serviceable. Like it wouldn't be some like amazing match because CM Punk at what 43, you know, being out of the ring for like seven years against MJF, I don't think the match would be that great. So the MJF thing, I'd love to see the build, not so much the match. As far as other opponents in AEW, I mean, look, there really isn't like that much because do you really want to see like, I mean, CM Punk versus Ricky Starks? I mean, I'm sure some people would. Punk versus Darby Allen? I, I can't really picture that. Like, there's not really many opponents outside of like Omega that you really want to see. I mean, is there anyone you want to see? Yeah, because you, you're thinking, right, you're thinking Punk's going to come in maybe for like five matches, maybe at most he's not going to work a full-time schedule so you're going to see omega you're going to see cody you're going to see moxley again probably we'll see that I, well, I moxley got... yeah yeah, Go ahead. yeah. I, I, I was got... just going to say yeah mox that's a good shout um the other one the other name i throw out there not that i want to say this but i'm sure it probably happen. punk versus fat jericho i'm sure they probably oh yeah try and do that yeah um yeah. i'm sure nba twitter would love to see that match but nonetheless <laughs> I'll, I'll let you continue here um, the only thing I, I gotta I gotta throw this out there before we get flamed by people in the comments. 
I, I, the, the promos with the Kenny Omega storyline wouldn't be that bad because Don Callis is now involved. So I, True. Don Callis True. is a lot like True. Heyman. He's he's kind of Kenny Omega's Paul Heyman. He'll help tie the tie the loose ends. That they, I think they could do some creative stuff storyline wise. But yeah, I'm not I'm not excited. I'm not jumping over the moon for a match with John Moxley and CM Punk or jo- or CM Punk and Jericho. They probably do it though, and it, it would be what it would be. What, what I don't know what I don't know where they could go with the Jericho feud. I don't know what more they yeah. could do, you know, to each other. I don't know, but it would happen. And also, also uh, one thing about Punk as well. As far as like this, this bit's once again hypothetical speculation. How good Punk would be in the ring? I don't know because back in 2011 to 20 like 13, 14, it was you know one of if not the best in the world in the ring. But ever since then, like seven to nine years ago. Ever since then, the real kind of emphasis upon the matches and the indie type of wrestlers have really kind of taken over. And the, the amount of wrestlers nowadays who have better work rate, cardio, psychology, and conditioning than Punk would have. Like, I don't know Punk as a what, 42, 43-year-old, how he'd compare to like the current day like wrestlers. Like, I, I don't know how he'd perform. He'd probably perform pretty well, probably be a bit rusty, maybe. But I, I just don't know. Like... All speculation, but yeah, I don't know. I I think if you put him in there with a guy like like uh, like Darby Allen, I don't know if I don't know if he could keep up with a guy like Darby Allen. I don't know how it would look. It would. I don't think he would want to be put in that position, coming off like seven eight year rest and doing MMA for so long. I don't know if he would want to do that to himself. But you never know. He could come back like Brock Lesnar and just pick up right where he left off. So it, well, it, like I've seen, I've seen people mention Punk versus Will Ospreay. I'm just like, why? Like, that, that would make Punk look even worse. Because oh, yeah. you'd have Osprey doing these, like, you know, double backflips into a, a drop kick, and you'd see Punk there just being like, what is this? Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like, you, people like Osprey, people like that, who are like the hyper athletic ones, like the amazing stamina, con- cardio conditioning, those types, it, it wouldn't make Punk look as good as he probably would need to be. I think that's why Omega would probably be able to do that. So Omega is like a, a master of many styles, so to speak. So he'd probably. You know, be able to work the match probably the best. That's my opinion. Definitely, yeah. I think I think uh, Omega, like you said, would be able to give Punk that match. Like that would probably be a career-defining match if he would have if he would be able to get into the ring with Omega. It, I, I think it just it would be that good. Also, AJ Styles too. We didn't mention this, but in WWE, if he could get in there with AJ Styles, have like a maybe like a like a SummerSlam or like a Backlash type pay-per-view match where it's like CM Punk and AJ is headlining the show, kind of like how Orton and Edge did, and they kind of yeah, and the, Seth Rollins. Rollins as well, maybe. Yeah, Rollins too. They, they, you take the shackles off. He and AJ Styles, they would have a really good match, and people would. I, I think that would rebuild his legacy if he came back and just wrestled a couple good matches with AJ Rollins, Edge, Orton. I, I, I think it, it could really help his legacy. Well, yeah, that's what AJ Styles does nowadays, doesn't he? He wrestles the the guys who are you know past their peak, the legends, makes them look fantastic, and then they go off in the sunset. So Styles would be good in that regard, and so would Omega. So. Those are like kind of the matchups, the hypotheticals. I think we'll basically kind of close here just for, you know, just to wrap this up. Do you think, I think we'll both know the answer here. Do you think it's time for the wrestling community to put the CM Punk return talk to bed and give up on Punk altogether? I'll throw it over to you. Yeah, I think it's that time. It, 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 at this point, he's got to be put in a bag with the other with the other legends where if he returns, great, but you got to get over it, you know. At this point, it's just... He's he's made it abundantly clear that he's not coming back. 
it's abundantly clear. If, if he said that he doesn't want to come back, like he doesn't find anything interesting about coming back in WWE, what, what else is there to say about the guy? You know, he just, he doesn't mess with our feelings. He, he, he does these podcasts, he gets the internet talking, and then he's just like, ha ha ha, they still, they still care about me, they still talk about me, but I ain't coming back. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it seems like, I mean, you can pretty much tell this from the Art of Wrestling interview back in 2014, and you've been able to tell it ever since. Punk's, like, real passion for wrestling is pretty much gone. Like, you've been able to say that. He had some fun with the backstage stuff, but really, Punk's drive, just in interviews, you can tell it's not there. So in that regard, I think we, the wrestling community, should all just put it to bed. I'm sick of, personally speaking, it being rumble season, it being this time of year, December, January, and you see the videos, oh, top 10 Rumble surprise possibilities for 2021. And number one's always CM Punk. It's like, dude's not coming back. Put it to bed. Once and for all, enough. Rest in peace, the Punk chat and the rumors online. I'm sick of hearing it. So, yeah, but I think, unless you want to say anything else here, I think we're ready to wrap it up, I feel like. Yeah, we covered everything that we can about, about the guy, CM Punk. In closing, I'll just say this. CM Punk, no matter what, he's always a guy that people will have an opinion on whether it's mma fans that are laughing at him or it's wrestling fans and they want to see him back or it's wrestling fans are sick of him somebody's always going to have an opinion about the guy he left a hell of an impact on wrestling and yeah that's pretty much all i gotta say yeah i think i'll just add in here i think many wrestlers or just many people in general would love the kind of the relevancy that comes with punk's name because as you say you mentioned punk. Everyone has an opinion of some kind. And the amount of people who aren't that way and aren't at that status, I think punk should be commended for that. He had a, such a great career, especially in WWE in 2011 to 2014. But in wrestling in general, not the greatest career in UFC, but you know, people know him. People know the guy. Whether you have positive or negative memories, punk, he's a legend of the business. Whether you want to have him top whatever, who really cares? At the end of the day, punk left a you know, legacy. People talk about him still to this day. So... He has to be commended for that. And really, I mean, personally speaking, I'm going to get out of here. I think that we've said bad enough. So Yeah, we'll, we'll see you guys next week. I think the Daniel Bryan, the rise of Daniel Bryan, that's a good topic for next week. So we'll, we'll, we'll come at you guys then. Yep. Peace.